0: I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that was all started by a mouse.
1: Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney, for NPR, Illinois Community Voices, and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host, Craig, joined today by my co-host, Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hello there. And Miss Vanessa Ferguson.
0: Hello.
1: And then we have such a special guest here with us today. You know, I listen to so many different uh, content creators in the Disney community, and I talk a lot about how we are really blessed as a community to have so many different podcasts and bloggers and shows and blogs to listen to and to read. Uh, And this is no exception. We are so thrilled and honored to welcome David Alpert of eTicket to Broadway onto the show today. How are you today, David? I'm great. Thank you for having me on this. I'm thrilled to talk about Disney. Let's do this. I'm, I can't wait. Absolutely. And so what I want to do with this episode, because I'm such a fan of your show, but we don't get to in your show, and I want you to explain it here in just a second. But in your show, we don't get to learn as much about the host of the show. We don't get to dive more into your background and some of the things. We get little snippets here and there while you're talking to these Broadway superstars uh, that you have on your show. But I really wanted to dive deep because kind of because I'm a fan and I want to know more about you. So that's why I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, And I do want to talk a bit about your show as kind of a first question here. You seem to marry perfectly some of our favorite subjects, and that's Broadway and theater and Disney. What inspired you to create a podcast all about those two things? Well, first of all,
2: thank you for your very, very kind words. I love that I get to interview very famous people because I do not want to be famous. So I very much enjoy putting them in the spotlight. You know, I'm a director. I want to make sure that they're shining and the content is shining. So I'm very flattered and I'm glad that this is a podcast so that you cannot see a redhead blush, because I think <laughs> you made that happen. You know, the podcast is truly just who I am. I love theater. I grew up loving it, but I also grew up loving Disneyland. And so for so many of us that love theater, oftentimes our introduction to theater was through Disney, whether it's, you know, Little Mermaid and hearing the great work of Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, um, or going to a Disney park and seeing Fantasmic or a Parade, that's kind of our introduction. You know, when we're five years old, we may not be going to see Mano La Mancha, even though I think I was maybe eight when I saw Mano La Mancha, but we, it's kind of blurry for us. We We learn that kind of storytelling element. So I think to share all of these wonderful Broadway performers, their love of the Disney parks with this mutual love of theater, I think it kind of fits hand in hand. You know, I don't want to say that it's all about storytelling, but it kind of is. And I think, I mean, for you three as well, I know there's a deep love of theater and the Disney parks and, and Walt was always very clear that Disneyland is a show, right? So I think there's a, a really strong overlap there.
1: Absolutely, and again, I uh, am going to say it a lot throughout, so hopefully I make you blush throughout this entire episode, but people really do need to go check out E-Ticket to Broadway, and we will for sure at the end of this allow you to plug away and to tell everybody where to find it, but right at the top, I do want to tell you it's just one of my favorite shows because you get to bring that joy of Disney out of people that traditionally maybe don't get to speak about something like that and their love for Disney because their um, business... Doing uh press for their shows, or they're talking about their past roles or performances. And this, they get to almost they, it's like a, a childlike sense of wonder that you bring out in people. And it's because of the way that you are so welcoming to your guests. It's clear that they have a good relationship with you. And also your love uh, for Disney and for Broadway really shines through. So again, uh, I am going to compliment you like crazy in this next hour. And I hope you're ready for that. But truly, if you listen to our show, uh, I cannot recommend enough to go listen to E-Ticket to Broadway. And I know Brett has been listening to a lot of your episodes and has a question for you as well.
3: Oh, I love so many of your segments. And it's such a well-produced podcast, and I love listening to it. So, But do you personally have a favorite segment uh, you do with your guests? Because I have a really hard time picking my favorite. It's kind of like you tailor your questions to each guest, which is just Wonderful.
2: I mean, kind of going back to what Craig said too, there was something that, you know, the the podcast existed only because a show of mine was canceled and I needed something to do. And I know that the theater community, we we were and continue to to suffer. We're, we've lost our community, our careers, our jobs, our passion. And you know, at the kickoff to this, I think a lot of people were really suffering. And I kind of snuck in there and be like, hey, do you want to talk about your favorite ride at Walt Disney World? And they were like, I really do. I was like, great. Let's do that. So it's been really fun. And again, sure. You know, the, the through line is that it's a Broadway community, but it's all about, you know, fangirling or nerding out all these wonderful phrases. So Brett, to answer your question, I specifically love fast pass answers that I play, which is just a rapid fire uh, question because a everyone gets so nervous when there's no, there's no prize. There's no, you must answer this. But it's because it, it takes away this pressure of, I have to say the right thing, and now it's just just say what you actually feel. You know, when I'm directing shows, we always say, like, your first idea is your best idea. Follow your instinct. So if someone's going to scream out that their favorite movie is Lady in the Tramp, it's like, that's great. I love that you thought that. So I, I do love fast pass answers. Uh, it does create a lot of anxiety, uh, but that's, you
1: know, it's all fun and games. Because, yeah. because you mentioned FastPass answers, I have to, and I don't think we address this later on, um, but you have mentioned one of the uh, most controversial snack items to this show several times. And that's almost a through hey. line that you bring up the turkey leg quite often. Uh, and I know we're it asking you a up. question about favorite snacks later and things, but, um, but turkey leg, uh, do, yeah. do you have
2: an opinion? Yeah, I've never had a turkey leg.
1: What a goodness.
2: You thank goodness. <laughs> I, I thank goodness. Have you bread has not? question mark
3: I, I oh, had a no, few. no, I'd like, <laughs> to, well, okay, thank you for that question, because anytime I can talk about my, oh, dislike. Love,
2: oh, it's a strong dislike. Oh,
3: you are so yeah. funny. No, no, it's, it's polarizing. And Craig is the one who instigates this and he started again, and I should really well, tap down. But, um, but no, no, he is, he is Switzerland as far as, you know, oh. as, as far as the, the turkey leg goes and I am not for the turkey leg and Vanessa If it was good enough
0: legs? for the 90s promotional video that was on VHS in the Disney store, it's good enough for me, okay? I she will take a, a turkey leg. Yes, she see? has a point mm-hmm. <laughs> I
2: will say there is a lot of sodium, but yes. I mean the question is do calories count at Disney? No.
0: I don't think so. No it's, <laughs>
2: it's
1: a magical bubble <laughs> but a uh, magical uh,
2: bubble and really you're
1: walking it all off. I mean, we can let we can lay out you're all right, the reasons you're right here, why they don't count, right?
2: I always find it funny when people's favorite f- snacks at the Disney park are unrelated to Disney, like turkey leg or like I love the pickles or the popcorn. Like, <laughs>
3: pickles, yeah. But
2: like I me, uh, you know, I like a Mickey Mouse shaped ice cream sandwich that mm-hmm. is specifically Disney. So someone's like, Can't wait to go and get some nachos. It's like <laughs> you, you know you can get nachos just down the street, but I support everyone. Um if you want to go to medieval times to get your turkey leg, that's great. If you want to go to the Disney parks to get your turkey leg, that's also great. I I support. We have another
3: everyone. Switzerland. Okay. Well, that's really <laughs> good. <laughs> that's okay. uh, that's, that's really yes.
1: good to hear, Vanessa. I know you have a question for him next.
0: Yes. Yeah, so as Craig mentioned, we just want to learn more about you and how you came to love theater and work in the industry and ultimately on Broadway.
2: Yeah, I was one of those kids and I was actually home recently in Michigan, shout out to the Midwest where I'm from, that I always wanted to be a director. I was looking through some boxes from elementary school. My parents loved theater. My older sisters loved theater. It was just kind of part of the DNA. And then I was very lucky that in my small town of Muskegon, Michigan, there was a great local theater. There was a professional theater, lots of educational opportunities. And I kind of quickly tried everything So that by fifth grade, I was confident enough to say, I'm going to be a director. And I don't know what other 10-year-old thinks that way, but I did. And my parents supported me. So middle school and high school, I kept doing it. Um, I went to college for it. I did some internships. I moved to New York uh, about a year after graduating college. And was very lucky that a year after that, I booked my first Broadway show. Broadway is not this unattainable you know high level be all end all it is just the i want to phrase this very correctly it's just a place where everyone is looking and what i love about that because theater is great everywhere right we we all love community theater and regional theater but there's something about creating shows in new york that really spoke to me that Yes, I could go anywhere to work on theater, but I won't bump into Stephen Sondheim in an aisle of a theater like I did in New York once. Right? There's something about where shows were created. It's also, I think, why I'm a land boy and not a world boy. I like being at the original, at the creation point. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just kind of always knew what I wanted to do. And I just decided I was going to go do it, which is not to say it hasn't been challenging. You know, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of sacrificing of a personal life, but I'm very lucky to work with a diverse group of people who all want to put on a show and and bring some joy and entertainment to people. So that's kind of my journey.
0: And we also wanted to ask you too. um, So we have a lot of listeners who are in a, do theater. And so you have a title on several shows of associate director. So could you explain a little bit about what that role does?
2: Of course. An associate director is also like an assistant director, but it means that the director has so much to do, of course, right? They're looking Mm -hmm. at everything. I'm kind of, as an associate director, I say I'm an executive assistant to the CEO, meaning I know everything that's going on in the mind of the director. And if the director doesn't have time to do something, I can quickly carry out their Um, their plan. I can communicate with stage management. I can, uh, if I'm putting a new actor into the role, I can remember what the director said so that I can make sure that the director's vision continues on. It is at one point, the most high stress demanding you're right there in the room, but also at the same time, you're an assistant, right? So it, it, it's a really interesting role. I have a degree both in directing and stage management. I use both of those skills. But on the Broadway shows that I've been an associate, it's cool because you get to have a, you get to kind of get in there and and have your voice be heard, but overall just help make sure the production moves forward. And the people that I've been able to meet as an associate director is just incredible. I mean, I got to work with James Earl Jones and Angela Lansbury. Like that just is crazy that if I had moved to New York and just wanted to do my own things, sure, I would have been directing and creating art, but potentially with, people I went to college with who are, who are great and, you know, potentially small budget things, or I could be an assistant or associate and work with Tony award winners and Pulitzer prize winners and the voice of Mrs. Potts. Right. I I made a choice and, (laughs) and I went one way and it's, it's been really cool. It's wonderful.
1: wonderful. You know, the three of us met through community theater. And one thing that I think keeps bringing us back is that uh, productions seem to become so close knit. Uh, And I do know that working in a professional venue, you could have some personalities and things like that. So I'm not necessarily asking uh, if it's something to the level of like a, a family, like a community theater show would be, but it seems like as an associate director, you get to kind of have those personal relationships and interactions, not only with the Creative team, but also with the cast as well. Is that accurate? Yeah, totally.
2: We love theater because it's the most collaborative team sport there ever is. That truly, everyone is working for the exact same thing, which is when the curtain rises and you're putting on a show. We're all working on that. So I remember my days of community theater, which were so fun and great. The stakes weren't as high, right? It, it, it was a set run that you weren't relying on a paycheck. You know, in a professional setting, the stakes go a little higher just because it's a job, right? We need, we definitely need, you know, to get people into the seats so that we can pay everyone so they can pay for healthcare and all that great stuff. So the stakes are a little higher. I definitely get very close to the cast because I spend a lot of time, you know, in the rehearsal room with them on lunch breaks. If we're out of town, we might meet up afterwards. Theater people, I think at our core, we crave connection and relationship. And we really do well with empathy. So I think we bond quickly. So it's nice to look back at my almost 15 years in New York and think of shows and think, like, oh, I'm still really close with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I went from community theater, which was maybe one show a year, to, you know, in a good year, multiple shows a year. So you have to kind of pick and choose and, you know, trust everyone's boundaries. But I will say, yes, you, there is still a kinship in working towards the same goal.
1: That's so great. And speaking of some of the people that you've either worked with along the way or uh, are now have come onto your show to be guests. I know that Brett has a, a question. He fell in love with one of your episodes in particular, I think a lot of your episodes, but in particular, oh. <laughs> he had uh, something about this. Yeah.
3: Well, okay, I said I don't have a favorite podcast episode, and I don't, but I have some favorite moments. In fact, right before we started recording, I I listened to the Eden Espinosa podcast, so it was so wonderful to hear Eden Espinosa share her magical nighttime spectacular experience and 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 to have that is you know i thank you for bringing that to us and and then, and then carrie butler i listened to carrie butler and i thought i was a disney fan with lots of energy <laughs> but carrie butler is an inspiration for a whole new level of pixie dust yes wow yes and then i listened to heidi blickenstaff and the lessons of overcoming fears at Walt Disney World and on stage, you know, performing the part of Ursula, such a wonderful and awesome interview. But, oh, and also with listeners, um, you have to listen to the Heidi Blickenstaff episode because we have to find out about her very special Disney Cruise Line Snow White experience. <laughs> yes, That's all I'll yes. say, but you have to yeah, listen to that. But in your interview with her, you talked about the mutual love for Disney sidekicks. Now we just released our own Beyond the Mouse sidekick draft. So we love sidekicks too. So can you share some of your favorite Disney sidekicks? By the way, we also included Marvel, Muppets and Star Wars. So you even have more to choose from.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> okay, I'm going to save my ultimate favorite sidekick. For later um i love mushu i think he is brilliant when he presents the breakfast to mulan when he's talking to cricket everything <laughs> mushu is an icon i love in some of the more classic ones the animals bruno i think from cinderella is the dog's name
3: mm-hmm. they're just
2: so lovely i also thinking it's more animalistic but pegasus from hercules just love how honest the animals are often, right? They're just like, come on, do it. But (laughs) I'm not even sure if he's considered a sidekick. I don't think he is, but I'm going to go there. My ultimate favorite Disney character since a very young age is Dopey, the dwarf. And I will talk about him as much as I can. I don't know if the dwarfs are considered sidekicks though.
1: I would, I would say that they are, you know, we had a very loose definition and we went back and forth during this draft uh, yeah. about the definition of sidekicks. <laughs> these two, by the way, these two were trying to tell me the genie is not a sidekick. The genie is like the ultimate sidekick. I don't know if the genie is the sidekick. Oh, come David. Because, <laughs> David. Because,
2: because the genie's objective is taken care of. A sidekick is only there to help the protagonist's objective, I think. But the genie gets what he wants at the end. I don't oh. know if that happens for other sidekicks.
1: Okay. Well, Mushu okay, does. You, Hold on. But Mushu does.
2: But Mushu does, because Mushu gets to be brought in with the ancestors. He's brought back. So I don't know. I don't I hear you about the genie. Okay. Well, I got but, to I
3: got to make the rules because I had won the last time around. So I was very, very generous.
1: <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I other but I mean, no, I, I there's uh, so I do, many I, I would say that the, the the dwarves are sidekicks in my sure, mind. Yes.
3: And who doesn't
0: are love they? Dopey? He needs. Well, he, who doesn't he, love Dopey? Yeah, come on. He needs the spotlight.
1: And so when everyone,
2: you know, I literally, I, I can share many photos of me like in elementary school, loving Dopey. I, I haven't really changed much. I used to be very shy, but I always loved theater. I love Disneyland and Dopey. I want to be a director. But people always say like, oh, is it, do you relate to him? It's like, no, he's, Dopey is the total opposite of me. And I just love how Optimistic and trusting and happy he is. I mean, not happy. That's another dwarf. But how <laughs> joyful he is! Right? He's just like sure, so. Yes. He's like, sure, I'll clean up the trash. It's so pretty. Oh, I swallowed soap. That's no big deal. I'll
1: get it out. I'm happy. To just, <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. I love him very much. Absolutely. You know, one of the other things about your show is that I love that it spotlights uh, these names that maybe people have never heard of. You know, I, I was looking through your um, your feed and I saw this name, Idina Menzel. I, you know, who's heard of that name, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, of course, uh, it was an incredible interview that you had with her and you got to work with her on If Then. And she had sort of mentioned this in her interview. And I don't know if you're able to elaborate on it or not, but she had mentioned that you uh, and the cast and crew were given a premiere of Frozen. Uh, because she was not able to go out to LA uh, because of If Then. Can you talk about being um, part of that experience? It just seemed like I was listening to that, and I was like, what an amazing experience that must have been. Yeah. What's funny is that when I met Adina, Frozen had not been out yet.
2: And, you know, she'll say this often to me. She, she I think, finds my love of Disney charming. Uh, so... You know, she was doing press and and I was getting to know her, I now consider her one of my best friends, but at at the time we were still kind of feeling everything out, you know, everything was, we were out of town in Washington DC with an original Broadway musical, it was stressful, and we just got an email that was like, hey, on Sunday it's a day off if you all want to come to this movie theater and see Frozen, and no one knew anything about it, right, we were just like, oh it's a new Disney movie that's great, and we were all there, and it was exciting because we knew that she was the voice of a character but we didn't know the story and i remember in the movie there was after let it go there's there's a little bit of a hold it's kind of it's a little quiet and we were so proud of her and we thought she was so wonderful and the the auditorium erupted and she was you know a few rows in front of me and and her son was there and she just kind of waved and and afterwards we got to say like that was so fun and i just remember this was november i think the movie came out in December, maybe it was like, and I just remember coming back and being like, "Wow, this let it go song is really great, and then it blew up,, mm-hmm. and so I never saw it in a movie theater you know as a as a citizen of the earth. I got to see it in a very special way, so my expectations were just you know oh she 's a voice in this that that must be fun, and I was very deeply affected by the movie because'm I'm, I'm very close with my sisters and and one sister passed away and I, and I run a fund for her and she's always on my mind. And so after the movie, I, you know, Adina, wow, it was so great. I didn't know it was about sisters. I, I just, it was a really cool experience. And, you know, Adina has been a, a good, good friend to me over the years. And, you know, even the last concert I worked with her on where she got to sing Into the Unknown for the first time live, which is, I love Into the Unknown. You know, I plan my show Tweedledee or Tweedledum. If yes. it was let like it go into the unknown <laughs> i lean into the unknown i i love it so getting to share this iconic disney moment with audiences is really cool i feel a really strong responsibility at times to make sure that we're presenting this well and I, it's cool i mean like i know you've had jody benson on your show which is thrilling and i got to interview jody as well and you know i was freaking out and you know and then i interviewed susan egan and i was freaking out again And when I interviewed Adina, I was like, oh, it's my friend. But I think like, oh, wait, she's also, she's at the same place. And I, it hasn't quite hit home for me. I still find it kind of funny. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. That's my friend, you know?
1: Yeah, that's such a, that's such a neat uh, relationship that you're able to have through theater again, and those relationships that you build. Um, And and yes, those names that you just mentioned, uh, I certainly, these are all, people just need to go and listen to your show because these conversations that you have are just so special. Um, I think Susan Egan must be the most positive person in the world. She's uh, she
0: likes turkey legs too, by the way. She just does. Yeah, well, there we go.
2: Vanessa <laughs> likes Susan for that. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I would say too, like there's something cool about all of these Disney voices that are Broadway people, mm-hmm. right? Like even um, Jonathan Freeman, you know, who's been mm-hmm. in 90,000 Broadway shows. And then happened to book the voice of Jafar, right? And now he's this Disney guy, but I love, you know, even with Jody talking about crazy for you and with Susan talking about Beauty and the Beast, you know, it's really cool that the Broadway community has kind of gone into Disney and it's very, um, I think, mutually respective and, and, and lovely.
1: Absolutely. Vanessa, you actually had a question about uh, some philanthropic work.
0: Yes. Well, first of all, I, I'm so thrilled that you've put together this podcast in a time that um, the arts community and people really need it. Um, and you've also done philanthropic work through your Extra Magic Hour shows. You mentioned the fund and um, in honor of your late sister. So I was wondering, can you tell us about that organization and, and maybe how um, people could donate or get involved if, if they'd like?
2: Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa, for that question. I care a lot about theater and Disney. But I care more about making a world that resembles Disneyland, which is a safe place that's equitable and everyone sees each other for who they are. My sister, Gilana passed away when she was 26 uh, from a freak reaction to medication and the community of Muskegon quickly raised money and we weren't sure where it was going to go. And, that was about a year after I moved to New York. And so I went to direct a concert and I realized I could raise money for it. So Gilana's fund has grown to support and amplify organizations across the country who are on the front lines to make the world a more just accepting and equitable place. So we want to help these organizations that are really working to change minds to make sure that marginalized communities have a voice. I care a lot about that. And I'm not equipped to change policy in the country. I'm I'm not a politician. I'm not equipped to make swooping change, but what I can do is talk about it and help those organizations that are doing it. Kayla Settle on my podcast, one of my favorite moments was, she said that moment when you're waiting to go on small world at Disneyland and the train passes through the facade of small world and everyone waves at each other. And in that moment, that's the magic of Disney, but it's like, that's also the world that I want to live in where, yeah, you might look differently than me. You might think differently than me. You might worship differently than me, but we're all humans and we're all, we're having a nice time together in this land. Right. So any chance I have either through the Patreon of e to Broadway or the live shows, I want to raise awareness for it. So any donation that someone makes, and you can do that at www.gilanesfund.org. My family and I look at organizations across the country, we're up to almost 50 that are really doing some good work. And we give them a grant and we say, thank you for what you're doing. Keep going. And so it's a really wonderful way to keep my sister's legacy alive. You know, she was, she lived in Chicago. She uh, was always there to help people and really see people who who they were. So I want to use my position of power, any chance I can to, to change the world. And so, yeah, I love talking about, you know, our favorite dark rides in fantasy land, but if I can just swoop in there and just say, and also let's talk about social justice, I'm going to. And um, I think as humans, it's up to us. We can look at people in power and say like, you have to do that, but you know, yeah, you can make a donation. You can also just check in with yourself and make sure that you're doing the right thing to, make everyone feel safe and welcome and, and equitable.
1: Yes, uh, that is just such an inspiration. And we really do appreciate uh, the, the work that you do and the creativity and art that you bring into the world because that creativity and art is a vital part of making the world a better place. So thank you for that. Brett, thank you. Um, I know you wanted to jump back to Disneyland because it is your yeah, favorite park as well.
3: Well, as a California native, Disneyland is your park. And it seems like, Californians have a very special place in their heart for Disneyland. Can you tell us about how Disneyland is such a a special place for you?
2: Yeah. My dad was born in Los Angeles and he and his brothers and his parents went opening summer. And my mom was born in Paris, but uh, after the war, her parents moved to St. Louis and then St. Paul, but landed in LA. So she went to grad night, her senior um, high school at Disneyland. Disneyland is the original And it wasn't created in reaction to anything but the world, not Disney World, but the world itself. It was an idea. It wasn't, and we're going to improve on this. It was just, this is what we're doing. What I love about Disneyland is it actually feels more magical that you can be on Harbor Boulevard with traffic and then take 20 steps and suddenly you've been transported. I feel like the Imagineers worked so hard to really create that magic and sure, When you're within, you can, you know, when I worked on the Autopia, you could hear some traffic and you might see some helicopters from the quote unquote real world, but Disneyland is the OG theme park, Disney park, it's Waltz park. And again, it's why I like theater more than film. I like seeing the creation, the kind of backstage area that you can kind of see that you have to really work. To suspend your disbelief. And I love that. I feel like it bonds us together. Someone the other day was saying when they're at a theme park that they get taken out of the experience when um, something pops up that's not aligned with the theming. And I said, Oh, no, 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 no. I love that I'm aware that it's a theme park. I love that they have, I can see the work that they're doing to make me think that I'm, you know, in Frontierland or Fantasyland. So for me, Disneyland is just part of my DNA. Um, I grew up going there. And the first time I went to Florida, I was like, this is really cool. That castle is so big. That's awesome. I love how much they have. I will say often on my podcast, Disneyland is theater and Disney World is film. One is the quaint original, very specific one. The other one is there's something for everyone. It's huge. It's very accessible. Uh, There's many options. But for me, Disneyland just has a, a special type of magic that is so homegrown it's where it all started
3: yes exactly yeah well you know craig someday you will find out all everything that we know so well let's not go there right yet
2: well craig (laughs) if you actually look under your chair you might find a plane ticket
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh, wow! Wow!
3: Well, hey, it is so we're funny we're... because
1: there was one time where these two announced that they were going on a trip to Disneyland, and they hadn't told me in advance. And I'm like, I'm actually sitting there for a second, uh-huh. thinking have they worked this all out with my wife? Are, am I going with them to the, on oh, this trip? No. And, and oh, no, 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 not and at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. So uh, no, I, I truly, you know, I have friends um, that actually live in Forest Falls. Uh, and so not very far at all. And uh, they are, we are, dying to get out there to visit them and then also they are not Disney people so we are dying to attempt to convert them and if they don't uh, then we just will go there without them that's fine with that that's (laughs) fine with us too but we're excited about uh, going out there and and for sure that opportunity and and speaking of that opportunity you know at the time of this recording uh, we are actually experiencing the reopening of Disneyland so uh, I know this won't be released until a bit later but we thought we might want to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, it's thrilling. I mean, it it feels like July 17th, 1955, all over again. I love watching online, you know, not everything, especially like the new Snow White Ride. I'm not looking at that online until I get to experience it. Uh, you know, theme park attractions like shows are meant to be experienced in person. And just seeing the joy, not just from those getting to go through the gates, but the joy of the cast members is so exciting. You know, I think, My ultimate dream, of course, is to be an Imagineer for Disneyland, or potentially one day the president of Disneyland, we'll see. But I feel like there was a missed opportunity today to lower the drawbridge for the third time in history at the castle, and they didn't do it. I just felt like you did it on opening day when they reopened Fantasyland, and this is such a historical moment that I think that we're all living through and we're not quite aware of it. But we're going to say Disneyland was closed for over a year. Like, that's crazy. So it's thrilling. You know, I cannot wait to get back there. I want to make sure everyone is safe. Um, not just myself, but everyone around me and the cast members, especially. And just to see that castle again, especially after a year of talking about it all the time. And I always ask my uh, my guests, what's the first thing they want to do the next time they go? And and hearing their reaction every time is first, uh, oh, you hear their emotion. and And that's about to happen for so many people. And I think it's great. And, you know, I think it's another spotlight on our humanity that, yeah, things might be a little different, but it's all to make sure that everyone is safe. And I personally cannot wait to go back. I got to go to Touch of Disney last month and, and look through the gates, but couldn't get in. And I just know it's waiting for me. But just knowing that people are walking through Sleeping Beauty Castle right now, I think will let me sleep a little bit better tonight. Right?
3: I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the, I mean, well, the question is right there. What is the first thing you're going to do?
2: Well, definitely cry. I mean, like that's, (laughs) I'll definitely cry. I don't know. You know, I've asked this so many times. Uh, I know I'm going to take a lot of time on Main Street. Um, One of my favorite traditions is turning the corner on Main Street by the Emporium or the other side, perhaps, uh, to see the castle with my mom, whether in person or on FaceTime, I know that will be pretty emotional, but I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get down Main Street. I think I'm going to take a long time. It's my favorite visual in the entire world. And I think it's a so, I think we take for granted this I, Walt's vision, which is Main Street. Like just every ho, every day, ho-hum America with fantasy down the path that keep focusing on your dreams, just the juxtaposition. It's my favorite visual. And I want to take that in. Um, hopefully get a boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance. And if not, I'm going to do my favorites. I'm going to get on Space Mountain and Indiana Jones, uh, get on the Autopia maybe for nostalgia, go see my boy Dopey on the new ride. Um, but just try and do as much as possible and, and you know, get my Mickey Mouse ice cream sandwich.
1: And, you know, I think there's so many things we love to do. I I, I just can't wait. I did just read that uh, Sam Wilson's Captain America is going to be a character out there. So because it might take me a bit longer to get back, if you can go ahead and take a selfie with him uh, and then send that over to me, that will just uh, that will make my day. So um, certainly that would be great. But, uh, you know, what I want to do now is more focus on we never get the opportunity just to talk about theater. Uh, and it's so funny because the three of us, that's how we came together. And so I thought we could just spend a few minutes just sort of discussing our love for theater and, and what brought that about. And I have a couple of different areas that we can go into uh, if we want to, but I really just wanted to be more of a, a discussion about the love of theater. And um, in particular, I thought maybe we could just even start with maybe the favorite role or what we did on a particular production, and I know for you that's considerably more difficult, so it doesn't necessarily even need to be your professional side. It could be something like the community theater side that, that helped inspire your career, um, but, but I can start off. Uh, we, I was in a production uh, several years ago of Spamalot, and I got to play Patsy in that Show and it was just a remarkable role. It was uh, so much fun. Uh, I really, it, it was one of those things where uh, Springfield as a community, I moved down here as a college student and my wife and I decided to stay in the area primarily because of the community theater and because of meeting people in the area and having those friends. And uh, the person that cast me in that very first show, which we we did *Suzical* the Musical, uh, and he was the director, he played King Arthur to my patsy. Uh, and so it was sort of a full circle thing. It was an opportunity to really feel like, uh, again, that that warmth of the theater community. And so I'd invite you to share David and then uh, even Vanessa and Brett. I'd love for you to talk just a bit about your love for theater as well. But I'll go to David next. Yeah, well, what show did you all meet on? It's, it's funny because we didn't necessarily meet uh, all together. Actually, Brett was on the staff of a show when I was auditioning for the first time. And so and then Vanessa, yes. I, I, I don't know that we've ever actually done a show together, Vanessa, have we?
0: I don't think so. I don't do too many shows. I, uh, help run a community art center. Um, so we have like 20 different arts groups and several different theater companies that perform. So I, I generally, I'm kind of like you, David, I've always felt more drawn to like the administrative side, uh, director ish side. Maybe I just Mm -hmm. like telling people what to do, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) Big uh, suggestions.
2: It'd be best if you do this. Strong strong suggestions. (laughs) I always say, I don't, I don't direct, I give direction. I'm not going to say oh, do it this uh-huh. way. I'll say like, what if you went more in this direction? It's very um, perfect. Yes. Some people might call that manipulative, but I call it artistic.
0: But, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's too, it's, it's also getting people to think about what they might do instead of just telling them what to do. It really gets them to think about their right. character. So I think, I think that's right. wonderful.
2: And was it the love of Disney that brought you all together?
0: That as well. Yeah. Because you're kind <laughs> of, you're
2: kind of, you're kind of explaining my podcast. Here's a bunch of theater people, but let's talk about Disney. Yeah, so I just love so that. Like, yes, <laughs> this it, that's why this feels to me like an episode of You Ticket to Broadway. I'm like, more about what <laughs> show you were on, but um, yeah. but Craig, to answer your question, uh, you know, I will always remember a, a couple uh experiences in my life. Definitely, um, the first show I was ever in was Rags Hold for Applause. Yep. No one really <laughs> quite knows of it. Oh, sure. Not, yes, sure. Not rag time, but rags. Right. Uh, yes. I was in, I was in fifth grade and I was in the ensemble and I just remember, um, and the uh, Judy Johnson who ran the local theater company, she was the director. And I remember I was in this, uh, it was a Yiddish theater scene and I was seated with my back to the audience right in the front as we were watching the show. And I turned to Lori who was playing my mother and I gave her a thumbs up. And I went to the director and I said, Judy, would a kid in the, in the early 1900s give a thumbs up? And it was in that moment that I was like, I think I am thinking bigger than my co-stars, not co-stars, please. I I was not a co-star, but, but everyone else, I was like, I think that I am looking at this in a bigger way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, throughout middle school and high school, a lot of great experiences. And then my senior year of college, I was ready to direct my first full length show. I had directed some one acts and some, some 10 minute plays and and events, but I was ready to direct. And I chose to direct Little Shop of Horrors, which I loved the show. I loved the score. I remember seeing it as a kid and being terrified as I was doing it. I was like, everything started to click that. I was like, of course I love musical theater. And I remember even the, the, last week before we opened something inside of me kind of shifted. And I said, we can, we can do better. We can do better. And I started working harder and poured everything into it. And I will never forget that experience. It really encouraged me to think I might be able to do it. And then, you know, many Broadway, each Broadway show that I've done, I've been very lucky to work on multiple ones. They're super special, mainly because of the people I would say, but you know, my first Broadway show was the revival of Guys and Dolls. That wasn't a critical success or financial success, but for me, it was thrilling. It was just so cool to work in something so iconically musical theater and Broadway. Um, and then working on two plays, you know, with some incredible stars like Jane Earl Jones, Angela Lansbury, shout out to, to my fairy godmother, Candace Bergen, you know, and, and just incredible people. I'll never forget that. And and then if then has led to some really great opportunities. So, you know, I, I can't answer with a singular one, but, you know, I think about every time I am so lucky to, you know, direct to Dina's concerts, every time we're in tech, she always sings Defying Gravity. Of course she's it's, you know, it's such a great song that I used to love and, and listen to when I was in college in my car. And every time she sings and finishes and does that iconic riff, I go up to her and I say, you sound just like the CD. She always laughs, but I, I have those moments where I'm just like, I can't believe that I'm getting to, be, I'm able to do this. So that is a very long answer, um, but I, I, I just think that for all of you, and I think for a lot of the theater fans listening, it's not like another job. Mm-hmm. We pour so much of ourselves into it, and theater people are so eccentric and passionate and different. Mm-hmm. We are all so different from each other, and it's great. Um, that I think it's, it, it stays with me a lot longer than had I, you know, Oh yeah. I, I had a digital marketing job, you know, yeah. it, there's something. It, it, so when you ask these questions, it guess brings back a, a lot of really wonderful oh, memories, sure. but I'm, I'm thrilled to hear from Brett and Vanessa too. Like what, what is for you?
3: you know, it's so hard to choose. I'm especially for you. It would be so hard to choose. And I mean, I think it's an Elaine Stritch quote where she says, what's your favorite show? And it's the one I'm in. And <laughs> I'm like going, Well, yeah, but yeah, oh, well, anyway, I think my favorite moment is we all watch other people's opening nights. There's this one person that immediately afterwards, everyone just kind of, you know, it's like the throng just goes, oh my gosh, that was so good. I was, you know, and you see so many people in that experience. And honestly, it is like, you know, a stellar performance or a breakout role or something. Um, I played Lord Evil in Oakley and Anything Goes. And I got to share center stage with wonderful cast. And it was just an amazing time. Well, huh, okay. Yeah. So it happened. I was the, per- I was one of the people. I was the person. Okay. So, um, and, and it was just an amazing, ex- amazing experience. So I've, I've had wonderful experiences, you know, doing that and again, right now, since we are in the middle of our situation, as I like to say, I can't wait to get back on stage and do something. So, but that's my story. What about you, Vanessa? Uh, We, we have done a show together. We did Adam's family together.
0: Yeah, that was fun. Um, I got to play Grandma Adams uh, in that one. And uh, really any character role is a lot of fun. I think I also did Audrey and Little Shop, which you mentioned, David. Um, uh, And and I have to tell you all that the wonderful thing about community theater is that it does find a place for every, or tends to find a place for everyone. So uh, my first production was Big River, playing a part that does not exist, uh, Fool Number Three. Uh, so so I'm sure some of you can relate to that as a, a suddenly in your community theater productions, uh, when you're starting out, there are extra characters added. Uh, don't, don't tell the rights companies that, but um, that happens. Uh, but I wanted to speak to David about something you mentioned about the relationships that you build and, and getting to work with people and what I found um, kind of working on the business side and, and planning our gala events is we've brought in uh, Broadway performers like Andrea McArdle, uh, Donna McKechnie, um, Liz Callaway, Ken Page and I'm always amazed by first of all, how professional and wonderful they are, but also how kind and giving of their time they are. Several of them um, have taken time to meet with our education students, our theater education students, and I'm, they give such wisdom and great advice. And um, I just, I, I'm kind of with you, David. I love the relationships or at least getting to meet really kind and genuine people um, that work professionally.
2: I would yeah I mean I do too, and and I found that the more high profile people I work with, whether they 're performers or designers, they are so kind and yeah. we are so lucky to do what we do. The business is hard, but when we 're actually working it 's delightful that it 's hard work because you know it 's art is subjective you, you how, we don 't know how to make a joke funny, we have to try different things, and it can be stressful and but what I have found is we're so lucky and to spread that joy and happiness that is built into theater. We do it for an audience. We are so focused on either making someone feel something or teaching them something that it's built on empathy and, and really thinking that, that, you know, if anyone asks, I mean, it's happening here kind of, you know, not, I know we're, we're talking through the lens of Disney, but when I'm asked to, to teach or speak about stuff, it's a joy because I remember when I was a kid, looking at people that were working professionally. And I think we have to remember, especially in community theater and educational theater, that it is joyful as well, that we don't want to add unnecessary stress or martyrdom that at the end of the day, we're putting on a show, right? And as long as everyone in the building and in the audience is safe and respected, we're putting on a show. How joyful, right? And if you know what, if a quick change doesn't happen in time, we're still just putting on a show and the show will go on. So I think there's, that's built into us of like, let's be kind. Also, you never know who's going to hire you next. So be nice. Always. That's what I said to my students. (laughs) Um, But it's actually pretty easy to be a good person. Just listen and, you know, spread joy when you can.
3: Yes. Yes, definitely.
1: So, You've talked about your absolute love of theater and how you were able to come from uh, being in that fifth grade play to now being an associate director on Broadway. Um, Can you talk to us for people that are listening that are maybe in our community theater or maybe high schoolers that are looking to go into college and to go into the arts and to get that theater degree What advice might you give to them if they wanted to pursue a similar career path to what you had? Yeah. I think the one thing I said, you know, I do teach a lot is that you are
2: not the first person to want to pursue the arts. It might feel so scary and intimidating, but you are not the first You're not the first person to audition for a college program, to audition for a show, to apply, to work backstage. So trust that the person on the receiving end started where you did as well. And it's an environment that everyone truly does want everyone to succeed. Because as a director, I want each actor that comes into the room to perform to the best of their ability. That's so much fun for me. I want everyone to do so well. Um, I want all my designers to come up with really great ideas we're all working together for that. So I would say the practical advice is to learn as much as you can about everything, to know that there are more musicals than just the last 10 years. We have to look at the history of musical theater. We have to see our shortcomings and our failures to know how we can improve. When theater switches from being a passion to a business, there's a mental shift that has to happen that you have to navigate your own boundaries and say, well, you know, I've been rehearsing this for eight hours a day. And even though I'm having a blast, I need to check out. So I would say, learn as much as you can. Listen to albums, look at uh, Tony Award clips, read, learn who the players are, not just the performers. Make sure you're learning from people that have experience, not just a big name. And I would also say that as you pursue it, my favorite quote is an artist is someone that has learned to trust themselves. So when you have that instinct, whether it's on this monologue to laugh when there's not a laugh written or as a marketing person that you have an idea of a color scheme, or if you're a choreographer, I want to try this, listen to that instinct. Right. And I remember the first time that I was directing a very bizarre musical about Edgar Allan Poe based on two of his short stories It was bizarre. And I remember staging it the safe way. And I was like, I'm going to, let me try doing what I want to do. And it was highly successful because of that. So I know that can be scary to be a theater artist. You must spend a lot of time learning who you are and what you want to tell the world. And we must remember that we have a responsibility as artists because humans take their cues from the arts. We're affected by movies and radio and TV and theater. So we have a responsibility that I hope everyone's up to, but just remember that I would say this, follow your dreams, be nice and trust yourselves. No one has the answer. No one's going to tell you how to make it on Broadway or make it on a regional stage or community theater. They can only tell you what works for them and hopefully empower you and encourage you to do the best of your ability, but never listen to anyone that says, this is how you do it.
1: You know, that sounds an awful lot like something I've heard before, uh, faith, trust, and pixie dust.
2: Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <kind laughs> of, yeah, there it is. I'm, I'm totally on brand.
1: Even I try not <laughs> to, I'm on brand. Brett, I can help it. Brett, you had a question about experience and then we have some rapid fire for you. And I'm excited about that.
3: So David, do you have any special memories about your 33rd birthday or where you celebrated?
2: Do I? You brought up Eden Espinosa who did the same thing I did. I put on Facebook when I was on Facebook and social media, of course, can be a treacherous zone, but sometimes it works out. And I put out a call and said, hey, I'm turning 33. I want to go to Club 33. And my friend Danny, who I... uh, had only briefly met, knew of a member of Club 33, and he made a call and he's like, okay, you're going. And there's video of me ringing the bell to get in and just kind of speechless. I don't get speechless much, as you can tell, because I have a podcast and <laughs> I, I can fill time, I think. And it was just surreal. I, it's something that you've always wanted to do. And you walk by, and then suddenly it happens. So I got to turn 33 to the minute at Club 33. And I spent about three hours there, which to spend three hours eating a meal at Disneyland has to be a pretty good meal because usually I'm just like, we got to get that fast pass to Indy. Like, we got to go, we got to go. But to just sit there and feel so special, I know that if I ever become a millionaire, it's not a yacht it's not a country home. It's a club 33 membership. And my same thing, if there's a scholarship ever in my name, yes, I care about social justice, but I also would love to create a fund for good kids, kids that do well and take them to Disneyland. Um, Mm. And that if I'm ever a club 33 member, I will go as often as possible for people that do good, that want to come in you know, because what a gift. Yeah, so yes, the answer is I got to turn 33 at Club 33 <laughs> and it was, it was a dream and um, I can't wait to go back if someone will let me in.
3: <laughs> yeah, someday, well, that yeah. goes Sorry. for all of us. So anyone out there, um, we are the yes. lovers of Disney, so.
2: <laughs> yes, please just let us know. I'm happy to like give you a tour of Disneyland, though I'm assuming if you're a member of Club 33, you like- you don't fall into that, you know, you know but,
1: <laughs> but I could take you up on that. So you could give me a tour of Disneyland at some Thrilled. point, right? It's
2: my new favorite thing. You know, I remember like now my favorite thing is to take people that I've never been yeah, that's wonderful.
1: Uh, so yeah. we mentioned earlier that one of our favorite segments on your show is your fast pass segment. Now we also do some rapid fire questions and most people don't quite do it as rapidly as they do on your show. But I want to challenge you because you challenge others. So you only give them 30 seconds to answer these questions. And so I think we're going to try that and see how this goes. Uh, we're going to give you our I'd like, our to, I'd like to say,
2: I would like to say the ticking sound effect that we all hear as listeners, they don't hear. Okay. So yeah. I want I I am kind, but yes, I do challenge them. So I will follow your lead, Craig. Okay. And okay, there
1: we go. And now I need to say because I have to say these things so quickly. Is there okay.
2: is there a theme? Can I is it can I set my mind to the right? You're not gonna ask like historical uh, movements. I will tell you that not asking...
1: I'll tell you that the first two words in every question will be favorite and Disney. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> yes. Favorite Disney film? Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Favorite Disney villain? Uh, Maleficent. Favorite Disney park attraction? Indiana Jones. Favorite Disney nighttime spectacular? Fantasmic.
2: Favorite Disney park parade? Uh, parade of Dreams 2005. Favorite Slash De- main Chicago parade.
1: Favorite Disney it. park snack?
2: Mickey Mouse ice cream
1: sandwich. Favorite Disney restaurant? Pizza Planet in Tomorrowland. All right. You got it in 29 wow. seconds. That wow. was great. See this 29.81 is... wow. seconds there. That so, was
2: well done. Does everyone is there? Are there people out there that don't aren't prepared to answer their favorite Disney restaurant?
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. we uh, we just had the thrill of having Tony Baxter on the the oh show, gosh, and uh, he so cool. decided he he wanted to do it every park in the world, and we let him. We're, we're going to say.
2: Tony Baxter can do whatever he wants.
1: Uh, yes. That was
2: very exciting. I surprised myself on Maleficent, but sure, she's a badass. I love her. Well, you know,
1: I uh, initially we had favorite Disney character on there, but you mentioned Dopey already, and yeah, we do have it. one more question, but it might take a little bit more thinking. I'll let Brett ask that question. This was part of the rapid fire, but I didn't think it was very fair to I be in the man. rapid fire.
3: To go back for just a second, you're very specific. The nighttime spent your favorite Disney. Nighttime spectacular is fantastic at Disneyland. Is that correct? Yes, and version and version 1.0. Okay, yep. Mhm. Okay. Well, so what Disney or Disney-owned property would you like to create for theater, maybe even Broadway? You know, I always dreamed of uh,
2: making Hercules into a Broadway musical. It was brought into a community presentation with the Public Theater. So I loved hearing that score. So uh, that one's off the table. I think I would love to create a musical that's built around the opening of Disneyland and that we would never go into the park. The end of act one, or excuse me, the end of act two would literally be Walt preparing to make the opening day speech and blackout. But there's something super magical about the amount everyone is goosebumps it looks like on mm-hmm. our, our yes. shared call mm-hmm. there's something really magical and and uh i shouldn't be putting this out there because now everyone's gonna try and steal it but you heard <laughs> it here first folks yes um the amount of people that didn't believe in the dream the people that said no and the fact that walt disney was so adamant and just focused in um i think there's a story to be told there i'm not sure if it's a musical um, I will tell you offline an actual idea that I'm working on that is Disney. Disney <laughs> I won't put that out there. Uh, but sure. You but, have to. Yeah, but I, I think that'd be really fun. I think there's such a fairy tale aspect to it and a really great story that we take for granted that we're like, yeah, of course there's a Disneyland, but like that's also a person. Disney is a last name. Like if there was an Elpert land, that'd be crazy. <laughs> but we take for granted that this was a person and people that kind of sure I'll I'll put a jungle ride in an orange grove in Anaheim, and everyone was like, "This is going to fail." And it, of course, you know, we all know that it didn't.
1: So I, I would love to theatricalize that somehow. That would be just love wonderful. This. And yes. now I can see my name up there, McFarland. It works. Yes. Really would, it work it. Would, it, would it be McFarland or McFarland Land? Le- McFarland land I mean, would McFarland be quite yeah. land land. quite nice. McFarland yeah, world. Land. This would be. This is something. Yeah, um, david we can 't yeah. thank you enough for this time that you 've spent with us because again it 's so nice to have uh, other content creators and you have such a unique connection to the Broadway community through your amazing experiences that you 've shared with us today, and you bring some of those relationships that you 've built over your career to us as a listener in a way that we can 't thank you enough for you know. Um, We all, me in particular, I I typically listen to podcasts. As a form of escapism and trying to get away from the world and step back and think, oh there's some really great things happening there's some great stories to be told and truly e ticket to Broadway is one of those that I can turn on and it will instantly put me in a good mood and so thank you. I know that a podcast can be a labor of love. Just know from one fan sitting right here, and I know that the other two agree with me that uh, we mm-hmm. are so grateful that you are putting that kind of podcast and that kind of art into the world because because you are making the world a better place uh through that and so thank you so much for the work that you do and it was such a great pleasure to have you
2: well thank you so much that means a lot and and i'm as i always say it's like my just like walt disney i hope it brings joy and inspiration uh in its own way and it's great listening material as you're registering to vote as you're walking to a protest it is great material to listen to to make sure that you are happy and ready to attack the world and make good change. So thank you three. It's so nice to, to have a podcast with more than one person. You know, for me, it's very yeah. lonely. So I, I'm, I'm so glad to connect with you three. And, and um, I just want to thank you and the listeners for
1: the time you've given me. Well, certainly if you ever want to geek out about anything, you uh, (laughs) you let us know and we will have you back in a heartbeat. But, uh, But again, thank you so much. And if you happen to be one of David's listeners that are listening to us for the first time, we would love it if you would check out the Beyond the Mouse podcast feed. And we've had some amazing interviews that we've been able to have, but we also have times where it's just the three of us talking about films and the parks and just Disney memories and love that we have. Uh, We've done a couple of underrated movies. I picked Tomorrowland. We had a guest come on, and she picked Planes, Fire, and Rescue, which is actually an incredible movie, uh, surprisingly. So we do have a lot of different content that we put out there uh, every Friday for you, and we'd love it if you would subscribe to that feed. You can also find us on NPR Illinois as well, and we are part of the Front Row Network, uh, so you can find all of them as well if you search on social media for the Front Row Network. You can join along with us on our social media if you look up beyond the mouse podcast on facebook we also have a facebook group that we just started not too long ago called beyond the mouse podcast pals where we're doing a lot of interacting with our listeners and we love to hear those stories and to hear your opinions on different things going on in the parks and in films and everything else and we also make some special announcements about guests that are coming up in there as well so again david can you tell people that are our listeners how to best find e-ticket to broadway
2: Sure. Well, first do exactly what Craig said, because that was a thrilling pitch and very exciting. Uh, You can definitely visit us on Instagram at eticket to Broadway and play along there as well with trivia and polls and actually um, submit some questions to the upcoming guests. And then also our website is www.eticketpodcast.com for your, uh, you can listen to episodes and also uh, recently launched is a shop. So you can purchase shirts mugs, hats with a lot of Disney and Broadway flair to it. One of my favorites is the high on a hill was a lonely goat with a goat holding dynamite in its mouth. Um, (laughs) Also an homage to one of my favorite nighttime parades. There's a shirt that looks very similar, but it says they say the neon lights are bright on Main Street. Uh, We also have a really cool line uh, that's about to come out called all the small worlds, a stage that I hope you can take a look. There's some really cool artwork there. So uh, you can check all that out on the web and on Instagram.
1: Your shop is so great. Uh, There's actually a, there's, there might be a product on there that I am thinking about getting Brett for a Christmas present in the future. So I won't say Mm -hmm. what it is, but, uh, but it it looks so Brett Rutherford to me for sure. Um, But Brett, do you have any final thoughts for David before we wrap up? This was just the best, and continue to
3: make such wonderful podcasts because I, you have a big podcast fan here, as you could tell. And sorry, I gush, but yeah,
1: oh, it's been Vanessa, do you have any final thoughts?
0: I always enjoy meeting people who have worked on Broadway. They are just the best people, and you are no exception to that. It's just been wonderful uh, to get to talk to you, and I love how much you love Disney.
2: I do. Well, thank you for <laughs> your very kind words. I I hope we can all go to Disneyland soon, and and show craig where walt walked and and then i'll
1: go on space mountain together that sounds great that sounds so yes. great so for beyond the mouse i am craig
0: i'm vanessa i'm brett
1: and i'm david and we will see you real soon in the front row of david's next production i can't wait yes. i need to go wow. out there yes. take me there see now. one of your shows oh, yeah that'd be great